Hey, this is Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the I Have for Evolution, where we'll be discussing the benefits of growing and using industrial hemp for people, planet, and profit. Conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products and boost the economy and business. So, are you ready to join the iHemp revolution? Hey, this is Coach Freddie. I'm here in Lexington, Kentucky, talking with Joe Hickey, and he's one of the founding principals of Atello Holdings. How you doing, Joe? Good. How are you this morning, Coach? I'm fantastic, Caroline, and uh, you're a great host here for me. I'm staying at your house, and Atello Holdings is out in uh, Winchester, correct? Right, that's Kentucky. Correct. Yes. And uh, tell us a little bit about the history of uh, Atello and where you guys are going. Uh, well, we started um, Atella Holdings uh, right after the Farm Bill was passed in 2014, so this is our fifth year of growing. But um, Atello, uh, we picked the name because in Greek it means uh, youthfulness or new beginnings. Okay. So we looked at that uh, as, you know, the I guess the way the industry is, it's... Um, new beginnings and it's a youthful um, industry so that's how we came up with the name and then um, we're in Winchester because um, that's where um, it was old the old record seed company uh, is the facility that we're in and it was the um, the tobacco research uh, facility Tom Hutchins was the um, the owner of it and was the largest tobacco seed um, producer uh, in the United States. So um, it was kind of fitting that we ended up in a facility that was a tobacco research facility that replaced hemp back in the early um, you know 1900s. And now we're in a research facility that. Uh, in an industry that's going to be replacing tobacco now. So it's uh, kind of ironic how history repeats itself. You know, uh, tobacco came in as hemp was going out, and now hemp's coming in as tobacco was going out. So it's um, uh, history repeating itself again, and hopefully uh, this industry is going to give the much-needed boost in the economy, uh, the farming economy, that has lost uh, a big part of its farming income when tobacco kind of went out in the last 10 years. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's a new beginning. Yeah, and I was out there uh, the other day and uh, took a tour of your facilities out there, and you had some... Um, equipment uh seed separators that were made out of wood uh from the 40s yeah well we've got uh old seed uh well and, you know a lot of the i guess the interesting thing about the uh, the hemp industry is um there's a lot of equipment like the old seed cleaners that can be used in the hemp industry uh 
uh, and a lot of the uh, technology and um, you know infrastructure that was used for tobacco that can be used for uh, for hemp. Uh, you know, we're sitting right in the heart of hemp country. Yeah. And our, you know what we consider the hemp capital of the world. And uh, you know we've got all these empty tobacco barns now that are being filled up with uh, hemp and using uh, those barns to dry the the crop with. Uh, and who would have ever guessed that you know we were going to be using tobacco barns to be drying hemp in, you know, 10, 15, well, really 24 years ago when we started this, you know, these tobacco barns were were full of hemp. I mean, were full of tobacco. Yeah. And now, you know, 24 years later, um, or really it's uh, 26 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, these same barns now are being filled with um, with uh, hemp, uh, and you know a lot of the equipment, a lot of the labor, a lot of the um, um, just the general uh, way that you deal with hemp. It's a you know as, as it is now, it's kind of a regulated crop, and farmers were used to working in tobacco, which was a regulated crop. Okay, so. Um, you know, it's it wasn't a big stretch to for the farmers to switch from tobacco to uh, to hemp. Okay, yeah, and, and I, uh, when I was out there, I was talking to uh, David. He's one of the founders, also. Yeah, Dave Spalding. Yes, and uh, he was saying that you were going to be uh, probably uh, planting. Uh, in excess of a thousand acres out there, is that the correct? Well, we're permitted for twenty-seven hundred acres. Um, and we're trying to stage it in so we don't harvest it all at once. So, if we'll, you know, we're not sure if we we'll end up planting the whole 2,700 acres, uh, but um, we're, you know, we'll have more acreage as um, as a company than any other company in the United States. Okay. You know, there's nobody's going to be able to plant uh, the way we do because we do it as a agricultural crop where most people are growing it as a horticultural crop um, okay. and when I say horticultural I mean it's like tulips you know you plant have a plant here a plant you know so you're dealing with single plants as a horticultural model and we are using an agricultural model we plant it like soybeans or corn okay and so you, when you do that, you don't have as much um, money into the crop when you first put it in. You know, um, if you're using a horticultural model, you're starting back in the winter and um, uh, starting in greenhouses, growing your, your mother plants, and then you do the cuttings, and then uh, you have to take those and then put them in the ground. If you have a, a hailstorm or, a, a, you know, some kind of a, a weather disaster, uh, you lose a lot of money just because you've already, you know, had all the infrastructure and uh, yeah. everything put in place. And the way we do it, we just plant seeds in the ground. If it comes and washes them out, or if there's a problem with them, we just replant it. So, uh, and you can scale up that way. You really can't scale up as a horticultural model. Okay. And uh, as an agricultural model, you can scale up to meet the um, the coming demand. They're saying it's going to be a two billion dollar 
industry in 2022, which I think is a low estimate. But where's all that, you know, where's all that hemp going to come from? You know, you can't do it. You can't grow that kind of uh, uh, quantity of material uh, as a horticultural model. You right. Got, you got to have to. You have to go to, to an agricultural model, and you have to be able to scale up. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. Okay. And you have your uh, uh, your your own seeds. You have your seeds that you're using yourself, right? Yeah. We have our own own specific variety of seed that uh, lends itself to uh, automated uh, harvesting. Okay. So that's you know that we think that's really one of the. Uh, the advantages that we have over uh, most of the other, um, you know, the other industry leaders out here that are, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to grow enough of this to meet the market demand. Okay, so you're you're creating the model right now for other people to go grow uh, hemp. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. So you you actually contract with other farmers then too, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we we when we first started this, we were looking at a, a way of of uh, augmenting the lost income from tobacco for all the farmers. And you know, like I said, if, if you do a horticultural model, you're not you know, you know you're not spreading the wealth. You're not creating real economic development because the horticultural model is you know. You, you're working in a greenhouse, you're uh, planting, um, you know, 20 acres, 30 acres, um, and it's not, you're not spreading the wealth out. You're not, um, you know, you're not bringing in a bunch of uh, farmers that uh, have lost income from, you know, from loss of tobacco. And our model, we've got, we've got over 60 farmers okay. right now. And uh, we could have 120 farmers, you know, if we wanted. We're, what we're doing now is picking the best farmers uh, in Kentucky to, to grow for us. And um, we'll expand that as we find, you know, farmers that, um, you know, that are really good farmers. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of really great young farmers that are coming out. And the thing about these young farmers, and, and the older farmers too, they're, they're looking at, um, they're always looking at innovative ways of uh, being able to uh, harvest the crop, uh, grow the crop in general, dry the crop, and um, that's really, to me, exciting because you see all these young farmers going, oh, well, let's try this or let's try this. So um, within, you know, eight or ten years, uh We'll have perfected how to uh, how to grow, uh, harvest, and process the crop. Yeah, because every year is a kind of uh, an experiment. Yeah, it's a learning experience. Yeah. And you know, we're, we've we tried a lot of things that didn't work, but you never know if they're not going to work unless you try them. Exactly, exactly. I think people don't understand uh, uh, that principle really. No, and and you know, a lot of people come in and say, "Well, I want to grow hemp," and it's not that easy to do. I mean, it's not a crop that lends itself just to, you know, people say, well, I can just throw some seed on the ground and come back and harvest. It's just, it's not like that. Right. You know, you've got to have, you've got to have good land. You have to have, um, you know, good weed control. You have to have a system put in place in order to really, uh, you know, participate in the industry. 
Well, Joe, you know, I've been in uh, North Carolina and uh, with some farmers out there, and they are using the, uh, I guess you call it the horticultural model, which their their plants are like four feet apart. Right. And uh, I've seen the, the maintenance that has to go on there. In fact, I helped them for one full day out there trying to, uh, to help them in the fields. So your method is a lot different, right? Yeah, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be a, a lot of different ways that this this crop's going to be uh, approached by different people. And it's going to be kind of like the beer industry. You know, you're going to have these microbreweries, uh, you know, these farmers that maybe grow, you know, 15, 20 acres, and um, maybe they'll work together with some other farmers and come up with their own brand and they'll, they'll, they'll develop their own products and sell them as a, uh, in a niche market, you know, just like okay, the microbreweries right. do. Okay. And then you'll have the, uh, you know, using the horticultural model and then you'll have the, the guys like us that are using an agricultural model that will be more, uh, I guess you could say like, uh, Anheuser-Busch or, um, you know, a, a big major brand out there. Okay. So that will be the two, you know, the two different ways that, that I think the, the market's going to be approached. And not saying that one is any better than the other because, you know, I love a lot of microbreweries. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Beers versus drinking just a regular beer. But, you know, for the, um, for the general public, uh, you know, you need to have a um, you need to have a product that is more affordable and uh, easier to access. Um, you know, anywhere in the country. Right. With micro, uh, it's more of a regional thing. Okay. You know, you have to, you know, you have to go someplace and visit, like Portland, which has some great microbreweries. You yeah. Know, you've got to go and, and actually go there to. Uh, to get those uh, microbreweries where yep. this is going to be a national okay. national brand. All right. And so what are your plans for uh, in the next, let's say, year or two years uh, for Otello? Um, I think, you know, we're going to continue what we're doing. You know, we're looking at, uh, uh, you know, we're researching ways of, of improving the, the agronomics of the crop, uh, improving the... Uh, the genetics, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is, um, you know, if you look at the genetics of a um, of a variety, uh, you'll have different percentages of different cannabinoids in each variety, and so it's finding and understanding what that variety, uh, what ailments uh, or you know what it helps with, uh, and some varieties are going to help some people in, you know, in ways that um, different varieties won't. So it's um, it's more of of learning about, um, and I think we'll learn more in the years to come. You know what is um, the entourage effect? You know, like if you have five percent CBG. Uh, 8% CBN, um, 
three percent uh you know i mean the the different combinations and levels of the cannabinoids will have a different effect on it and i think we'll learn that in the years that comes and that will be part of the genetics and stuff that we're studying to figure out you know what works best for what elements and um, learning how to, to grow and and process and manufacture those you know those combinations of, of cannabinoids yeah and so at your facility you're actually growing and processing and and the oils yourself and you come up with the the raw materials right yeah yeah and um you know it's 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 going to take I, I think it'll be an ongoing process you know as uh, we're able to research you know once the law changes there's going to be a lot more research into uh, the effects of the different cannabinoids, and that will, f- in turn, have an effect on the breeding uh, of uh, the different varieties to come up with those specific varieties uh, for those specific ailments. Yeah, and so um, so farmers can actually buy seeds to plant from you. Is that correct? No, we don't. We don't sell our seed. What we we uh, we use basically the tobacco model. We uh, provide our farmers with the seed. I see. And we, it's a contract grow. They, they'll grow uh, for us. And then, um, you know, we get the seed back. So, you know, the seed doesn't get, um, you know, we, we don't lose control of the seed variety that way. So it's more of a contract, tobacco contract model. Uh, than anything, and that's what the tobacco farmers are used to here. So that's okay. what works really good. Oh, I, I see, I see. So you're kind of in partnerships with the with the uh, farmers then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, you supply them with the seeds, they grow it, mm-hmm. and you take the crop back with them, and they get paid. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Good model. Yeah. No, it's, it's it's what they're used to. So it's you know it's easier to work with something that you're familiar with yeah than to try to come up with something that um you know that's a different model than what they're used to working with okay so uh you're in just in uh, uh, kentucky here then right no no we're 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 in tennessee uh south carolina north carolina uh we're going to have i think a farmer or a couple farmers in virginia and then in new york so uh, we're basically taking our uh, agricultural model and uh, moving it into other states. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be traveling in all those states too. So, uh, and actually, uh, all the way up into New York too. Yep. So, uh, we were talking the other night. Uh, you had mentioned that you were friends with Woody Harrelson. Can you tell us a little bit about that? You've been friends for over 20 years, right? Um, yeah, 24 years. I met Woody in. Uh, 94 we had a mutual friend they were working on some saving some old growth forest and woody mentioned to him that he was um that unless they found an alternative to wood paper that uh, they were just going to keep cutting these forests down and he had heard that hemp was um uh, was a great alternative and it was um peter bayhooth who was the uh, former executive director of greenpeace who had been hired by ted turner back in the early 90s to give away that $100 million that uh, he, you know, I think he had sold 
Turner to CNN or what it was. But anyway, so the phone rang one day, and uh, it was Woody. He came in uh, a few days after that. You know, it was just like uh, a long-lost brother coming back. So we we hit it off, and um, he wanted to come in and help. Uh, and basically what we were trying to do at the time was uh, we'd gone to the legislators and talked to them about trying to get a bill passed here in Kentucky to allow uh, our farmers to, to grow hemp. And they said they wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole because nobody knows the difference between hemp and marijuana. So that started us on the uh, the quest to educate the uh, Kentucky uh, citizens about the difference between hemp and marijuana. So uh, that's where Woody really came in and helped out a lot because we came up with an, this idea of, of planting some hemp seeds to, I guess the law then said that if you have four hemp seeds, it's a misdemeanor. If you have five seeds, it's a felony. And they didn't differentiate between hemp and marijuana. So I got the idea of, you know, let's plant these hemp seeds and uh, test the law. And Woody, you know, kind of was taken back when I asked him if he'd do it. And then, you know, after we talked about it and everything, I said, you know, you're not going to, it's a misdemeanor, you know. The most you could do is 30 days. <laughs> he, he still was kind of, <laughs> Yeah. 30 days but um anyway I mean, woody's up for a challenge and you know he's not um he doesn't shy away from uh issues that um you know that really have uh have the potential of having a big impact uh, uh especially uh after i explained to him you know the history in kentucky and, right you know, my grandfather grew hemp, you know, Andy's seventh generation hemp farmer, Andy Graves. And so um, he agreed to do it. And uh, what we did to try to get even more progressive, uh, because Ted Turner was funding us uh, in our effort to educate the public, uh, we had a um, international hemp symposium, and we got... Uh, Ted Turner, um, through Peter Bayhu, to send a, a news crew up for it. So over the weekend, we had um, we were on the front page on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, Saturday, because we brought all these experts to uh, uh, Simpsonville uh, Grade School to do a little dog and pony show on hemp for the students. Was Donna Cockrell's class, and so um, that made the news on uh, Saturday. And Saturday we had the hemp symposium, so that made the headlines on Sunday. And on Sunday, uh, you know, nobody knew what we were going to do. There's only a few people that even knew that we were going to plant those hemp seeds. So Sunday we planted the hemp seeds. Uh, and got Woody locked up. So on Monday, uh, we hit the front page again. So we had three days of front page coverage. Okay. So that was what kicked off the 
the, the whole effort to educate the public. And uh, from there, we just um, leapfrogged off that to, you know, the different trials that, that Woody went through. And uh, we had some essay contests. We finally did, uh, Woody paid for a, a University of Kentucky uh, survey of the, you know, to see what the general public thought was on industrial hemp. And I think that was in 98. So we'd had four good years of, of you know, spreading the word. And it came back that um, 76% of Kentuckians were somewhat or strongly in favor of allowing farmers to grow industrial hemp. Uh, so we used that, took it to uh, the legislators, and still had, you know, we had some legislators that were uh, really supportive, but some were still on the fence. This was in 98. So in uh, 2000, uh, we had the final trial with Woody, and I got uh, Governor Louis Nunn, who was, you know, he was the governor back when Nixon okay. was... Um, was in and uh, I was friends with him and I asked him if he would represent Woody uh, and do the closing arguments for his trial so he did I gave him a, uh, a candy bar a hemp bar uh, to use in his closing statement and he pulled it out and took a bite of it and looked at the jury and uh, swallowed it and he said okay Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he said, I got it on me, and I got it in me. Said, so if you're going to convict this man right here, so you're going to have to convict me too. <laughs> and you could just see the look on her eyes. And um, so when um, when he was, uh, you know, the jurors came out, and they were looking at Woody when they came out. And uh, I told Woody, I said, this is going to be not guilty. And he said, how do you know? I said, because they're looking at you. And I said, when you go out, I said, just don't, I don't care if they ask you, you know, any question, whatever it is, just keep repeating today's Independence Day for Kentucky farmers. And uh, so the headlines in the papers the next day, because it's what he did, he just kept repeating it. And uh, we had, I set the trial to be held on July 3rd. So on the 4th of July, the headlines on the Lexington Herald was uh, Independence Day for Kentucky farmers. And, awesome. Uh, I like that. And then so right after that, uh, we had uh, Andy, Andy Graves and myself and Dave Spalding uh, had been lobbying the legislators. And David Williams was head of the Senate. And we'd gone to him and he said, uh, you know, we had a, a bill put out. And he said, you know, if you guys get the votes, he didn't think we could get them. And he said, if you guys get the votes, he said, I'll let it come to the floor for, um, you know, to be heard on the floor. And so we got the votes, went to, to David, and he's, he wasn't letting it come to the floor. So I went and saw Governor Nunn and told him what the situation was. He said, get in the car, let's go to Frankfurt. So we drive to Frankfurt. He walks in David's office and uh, comes out in about, you know, wasn't in there 10 minutes, came back out, and he said, it's going to be heard on the floor. So the bill was heard on the floor because of Governor Nunn, and uh, 
it was passed in 2000. And the thing that really helped us out is I had the forethought, uh, because it was a research bill. You know, we, we structured this research bill because, you know, who can be against research? Right. And, but the last line that I inserted in the bill, uh, stated that, uh, Kentucky immediately adopts any and all federal rules and regulations pertaining to industrial hemp. So what that did was when the Farm Bill passed in 2014, Kentucky immediately adopted, you know, as state law, the federal rules and regulations. Okay. So we were the first ones ready to go to, um, to plant hemp. So we planted uh, this hemp seed called Denny, named after Woody's oldest daughter that we had developed in Canada uh, from hemp seeds that had, had originated off of the uh, Andy Graves's, the Graves's farm. And that was the first seed that was planted in Kentucky after the, um, you know, after the law was passed. And this is going to be now our fifth year of growing. Awesome. So it's been a long uh, winding road. Yeah. Over the last, uh, well, with Woody and I, 24 years and with... Um, the beginning of this uh, 26 years ago so okay. it's, been a, it's been a fun trip oh yeah it's a, a what a journey yeah. yeah continues to be a fun trip oh yeah yeah and I, I joined this this movement that four years ago and uh, I, I know what it's taken people like yourself and you you were at the forefront and doing all these things and and I'm just continuing to try to help the movement myself uh, well, you're doing a great job. I appreciate everything you're doing. Okay. Well, uh, so one last thing. Uh, you were met uh, Woody in uh, this last week at uh, his uh, movie. Yeah, they had the the uh, preview, the movie premiere for um, Solo. Okay. The new Star Wars movie. So. Okay. Went to um, L.A. for the premiere there, and then we uh, flew to uh, the the Cannes Film Festival in France, and then we went to London. So um, spent two weeks on the road with him. It's um, it's like almost like a vacation. You know, you you're glad to go and you're glad to get back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, listen, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on the IHAMP Revolution podcast and a supporter of the uh, IHAMP Revolution Roadshow, which I, I'm on here with my Austin Healy and my uh, headquarters trailer, I call it. So I want to thank you very much for uh, putting me up here at your house. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today and make sure that you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Give us a review and follow us on facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution. Like us and then tell your friends. Help us spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and thanks for joining the iHemp Revolution.